You're listening to Radio Influence. You've seen Chef Brian Duffy on Spike TV's Bar Rescue, NBC's Today Show, and opening bars and restaurants all over the world. Now he's sharing his stories, his friends, and some tips of the trade he's learned along the way. Prepare yourself to get Duffified. This is Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. Oh my God. Happy Friday morning. Happy Friday morning. You guys can hear me and I am uh, just slightly, slightly hungover from uh, the last run of, uh, yeah, I'm still hungover from New Year's Day. That's exactly right. It is, I don't even know what the date is. What is today's date? It's, it's, it's a date. That's all I know. And it is, uh, it was a crazy week, man. I mean, you know, we, uh, we, we did our whole new year's Eve stuff. We had a blast, went through everything, hung out with friends, did all that good stuff for me. Uh, Oh wait, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to back up a little bit. Cause last week we talked to Veronica wheat, chef V from chef V organic cleanse. And I have just finished, uh, I finished day three of the cleanse. Uh, I wasn't able to get to day five because I had to fly to Orlando, uh, to do some stuff down here in Orlando. So, and I couldn't bring all the juice with me, uh, because I still had a couple left over, so I couldn't bring them all with me. So I'm going to finish them up when I get back to the house. Um, but here's the deal. This is kind of the way that I felt. So after the cleanse one, I lost about seven pounds. Okay. So one of the key things to this whole thing is it's really about the detox. It's about pulling it out of your body. It is about uh, about cleansing everything that goes on in the inside. But the other thing is that you're drinking a straight plant-based product. So for me, um, I, I'm a carnivore, man. That's the way that I live. But the funny part about it is after you eat that meat, it kind of, it kind of wears down, you know, like it ends up weighing you down in your belly. So for me, I wanted to back off a little bit. I wanted to kind of get my body totally clean, total uh, vegan, vegetarian kind of world that I was living in with everything. And I felt awesome. The energy levels were through the roof. Um, my clarity, which was the weirdest thing for me because I, I, I Sometimes I get a little cloudy with some stuff, you know, traveling, not sleeping. Like I'll be honest with you right now, I'm on two and a half hours of sleep. I was up all night last night trying to get everything ready for the girls to go to school this morning and doing laundry and, and, and like getting shit out of my car and packing. And, you know, I had a six thirty flight. So, um, I was up at four fifteen, four thirty. Uh, so I only had a couple of hours of sleep, but for me, I had a big shot of my green drink this morning and my clarity was like on point. Um, I got a tremendous amount of work done on the plane, both flights. I, I flew from Philly to Charlotte, Charlotte to Orlando. And I, I lucked out. I got first class both ways. So I was super stoked about a little upgrade. Thanks, American Air. And um, I was then able to uh, – I just banged out a whole bunch of work on the plane, like really cool stuff. I got a bunch of my cost of goods done for one of my clients. I ended up banging out a whole bunch of proposals while I was on the plane. Plus, I wrote a bunch of menus. So uh, it was really cool. Like in that in that whatever three and a half hours of being on the plane, my energy level was just super, super high. So I was really excited about that. So that to me is a is a big seller in itself to do to do the cleanse. So – Anyway, so I did the cleanse. Okay. 
Um, and I, and I feel good. I felt really good. I'm stoked to get back. I really think I want to kind of get on the program with them where I can get the juices so that I can have one every day. You know, look, here's the deal. Can I make them at home? Absolutely. I can. Does my schedule warrant or allow me to make them at my house? Probably not. It's just not going to happen that way. That's just one of the, the natures of the beast. So, so it's really tough to do that way. Um, but I, I just, you know, I wanted you guys to know about it. Cause like I said, we had a really, you know, I thought we had a pretty good episode last week with chef V, um, very knowledgeable, super cool chick, um, living out in San Diego, which is one of my favorite cities in the country. Um, but, uh, you know, very knowledgeable about what she does and she's got a nice business going for her. So, so cheers to, uh, chef Veronica wheat from chef, uh, chef V you can hop on, check her out on all the social media and Instagram and all that good stuff. So go check it out. But what I really want to do is I really want to get you guys ready to, um, talk up to talk to my next guest. So I'm going to tell you guys, give you guys a little bit of a history, um, with some stuff that, that I'm a huge fan of, you know, so I'm from Philadelphia. I'm a massive Philadelphia guy. I love the city. I am a, just a, just a, a, I just love the city, man. You know, the history of it. I grew up in a household with a very, very educated, with very educated parents. My father and my mother used to have Irish teachers that would come into Philadelphia every summer. So for me, um, I, uh, I know a lot about the city because my father, we would take tours with Irish teachers all throughout the city. And so I knew all the really cool stuff. I knew the little pockets of the city and I know the shortcuts to get around. And, but one of my oldest memories that I ever have is on new year's day. Um, new year's day is for me is one of the, one of my favorite days in the city because Everybody gets together um, and they go down to Broad Street where we have a parade that's called the Mummers Parade. Okay, it's held every New Year's Day in Philly. Um, it is also believed to be the oldest folk festival in the United States. Okay, um, and there is a two uh, – there's there's a whole area of South Philadelphia that's called Two Street. Yes, it's Second Street, but it's called Two Street by most of the locals in Philly. When you say you're going to Second Street, people are like, the fuck are you going to Second Street for? You say you're going to Two Street and people are like, oh, dude, I'll meet you there. Okay, But the big thing that happens during this day is the parade starts pretty early in the morning. For me, I get a hotel either the night before that day. I check into the hotel and then we run right over to the parade. I carry a backpack. It's got 30 packs of beers in it because I'm going to drink beer all day. It's the only day that I really truly drink beer unless I'm rednecking it with my buddies down in Tampa or Florida or something like that in Fort Myers. Um, but, but for me, uh, it's a beer day, man. You know, I'm not drinking vodka cause vodka gets you too fucked up beer. You can kind of drink throughout the day and you might be able to bang them out for me. I probably drank about 20 of them this year. Plus I had a couple of drinks when I got to the Ritz Carlton. Then we ended up going over to uh, another place where we had a couple of beers there, uh, down at, uh, called Toll Man Jack's down on uh, Oregon Avenue across from Tony Luke's place. Um, but uh, I, 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 this year was a totally different experience because I, I got to hang out with uh, some friends of mine. Um, so I was with uh, Trisha and I was with my best friend, Matt, and I was with Matt's girlfriend, Zoraida. And we, you know, Trisha and I got into the hotel pretty early in the afternoon and then we blew down to the parade, met everybody down there. Uh, Matt and Zoraida met us and then we, uh, we had some beers. We got dressed. We got super warm because it was like uh, I think it was seven or eight degrees outside. So they almost canceled the parade. But so you get over to the parade and we stand in front of the Union League, which is like if you've ever seen uh, trading spaces, trading places, trading whatever, whichever one that was trading places. 
on, uh, on uh, years ago, and it was filmed at the Union League. Uh, very uppity, Republican, kind of snotty men's club. Um, I'll never be a member of it because I think the bartenders are fucking assholes. I'll just be dead honest with you. So I don't have any desire to go there or spend any time there. Um, I know a lot of people do, but it's not for me. But I get to stand in front of that place on New Year's Day, watch the parade come by. They always stop in front of the Union League. They do their skits. There's string bands. There's fancy divisions. There's comic brigades. And they all put all this tremendous amount of work into their costumes, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. OK, um, but and then after two street or after Broad Street, we end up typically heading down. We grab something to eat somewhere, meet up at a central location, and then we hop over to two street, which is where they go back down the street and they thank the neighbors more or less by playing. OK, so my guest tonight uh, or this morning is uh, actually you, you've heard Sally uh, Miller, Sally. I'm sorry, Sally Marie Young, who is uh, Sally Miller's her old name. And Sally Marie Young married Kevin Young, who is just an, an awesome dude. He's a really, really cool guy. Um, Sally, as you all know, you know, we've I've talked about her before on the show. She's a good friend of mine. She's also kind of my spiritual advisor. We go back and forth on a lot of things. Um, we have a great relationship where uh, it's kind of spiritual in its own way, but I'm kind of helping her with some business stuff, and she helps me with the spiritual side of things that I get involved in. And I know you all think it's weird, whatever, but guess what? I still drink, I still smoke weed, and I still get out to have, go out and have a lot of fun. It's just the way that I live my life. Um, but so what we're going to do is we're going to call up Kev in just a second and we're going to have Kev hop on the phone with us because Kevin is a mummer. Uh, he's also the captain of the two street stompers, uh, which I'm going to allow him to tell you what happened this year. Okay. So everybody do me a favor and turn the, uh, get the kids out of the room, uh, turn it up pretty loud so that you guys can hear this. You can hear this deep bellowing voice speaking to you from Orlando, Florida. Um, and I want you guys to get ready to listen to my buddy, Mr. Kevin Young. Here we go. Mr. Kevin Young. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, brother? What's happening, my friend? Happy New Year. Oh. Happy New Year to you as well, man. Even though I got to spend uh, one of the best New Year's days that I've had in many years, I got to spend wow. it with you. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. That's two in a row for you, right? That's two in a row being with you guys, but it is yeah. 10 in a row easily for ten, for two street. Well done. That's you know what? I lied. I lied. It's not 10 years. I have to say it's probably 17 years. Wow, that's a pretty good run, brother. Pretty good, yeah. No, seven, yeah, easily. And but but my, I don't know if I ever told you. Well, first off, Kev, do me a favor. Why don't you tell us who you are, and then we'll get into it. I uh, am one of the captains of the Two Street Stompers New Year's Brigade. Uh, we're out of South Jersey, and I am a part of a, a board and executive officers. Uh, that is the captains of a brigade. It's over 220 people. There's probably well over a hundred of them are first generation family. Uh, we've been going up the street. This is our 40th anniversary this year. This wow. is our 40th. And this so is I, I was not in all of them, but I was, uh, my family has been, it's always been, you know, either my aunts and uncles, my grandparents first, then my aunts and uncles. And, and now my brothers and I, along with a couple of the cousins and close friends have taken it over. We took it over in 93 and have been running it ever since. We took it over for my uncle in 93. Wow. So, yeah, it's been a good, and we've had a real good run these last, uh, the last, we've won five championships in the last, I guess it's 12 years, five and, and 12. Yeah, I think that's what it is. 
And is this, and so what was, what was so big about this year? Uh, first of all, it being our 40th anniversary and then to be able to win, you know, with already having such significance about this parade. I mean, we really, we, it's, I don't want to say we didn't bring it. We were definitely bringing, we always come to play, you know, but we were, we were celebrating our 40th regardless. So it really wouldn't have matter where we ended up. So to have to get the championship, our fifth was just a huge burst at the end, a huge icing on the cake. So for me, I've been going to the parade. So to give you a little history of me and my kind of love for this day, um, my grandfather, my father's father was the head of the Oregon club in the, th- okay. in the late thirties and early forties. My right father. On. Yeah, exactly. Didn't you see, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the picture of it. I thought I sent it to Sally, but it's on my Facebook picture. It's on my okay. Facebook wall. It is a picture of my grandfather dressed fully like in his regalia, you know, in his, in his, in his costume in the 1940s. That's awesome. Yeah. That my awesome. father was in it. My father was in it later on in life. So my father was born in 44. I want to say he was probably in it fifties into sixties. And then for me, I started to hear, I started to figure it out when I was about three or four years old, going to my aunts who lived at 13th and Rittner and sitting in the living room with on my mother's lap while my father and my cousins, my cousins were all dressed like wenches. And they would walk in the front door and do shots of Seagram's that was on a little table by the front door. It's delicious. Who could blame them? (laughs) Exactly. It was, it's delicious. Uh, That's an incredible memory there, brother. So, I mean, and that's how I started, like that whole world was going through that. And I thought it was, and I remember being older and hitting like the nine, 10, 11, 12 years old and being like, what the fuck, what are these guys doing? Like, I didn't get yeah. it, but I knew just how cool it was. So for me, it's always been kind of in my blood. Um, so to be able to hang out with you guys the last couple of years has been big for me. It's been really a pretty cool thing. So I appreciate it. Well, we're glad to have you. We got to get you in a costume, man. It's time to get a dress on you. I have never <laughs> been, I've never been dressed. So I, your life. We, I know I'm look, look, you know, so, so I'm trying to explain to everybody kind of what has been going on. So the whole, the idea of this is it's over 102, 103 years. Yeah. It's considered, I believe they call the longest running running. Like I think they call it a folk parade because it was originally just a collection of the neighborhoods going out and celebrating. I mean, back, if you go back 102 years, and this is the history, as I've been told, passed down the generations that, I mean, it was really just a celebration of surviving another year because right. 102 years ago, there was a lot, a lot of things that could set you back in just surviving. So that gave birth and rise to this incredible pageantry and this tradition, deep, deep rooted tradition in South Philadelphia. Yeah. As you know. Yeah. There's so they're saying here that the parade traces back to the mid 17th century roots, blending elements from Swedish, Finnish, Irish, German, English, and other European heritages, as well as African heritage. The parade is related to the Mummers Play tradition from Britain and Ireland. Revivals of this tradition are still uh, are celebrated annually, um, but it's it's been a huge thing. Actually, U.S. Uh, George Washington carried the official custom of New Year's Day calls during the seven years he occupied President's House in Philadelphia. The Mummers continue their traditions of comic verse. Yeah, it's wild, man. But but I yeah. remember I remember like the fancy brigades being walking the streets. Yeah, that was, you got to go back about, uh, I would say it was maybe 
15 years ago when they started to explore going inside because of the, the sizes of their costumes. Yeah. So, I mean, for those who don't understand the parade, it's broken into like four or five sections. And the section that we're in is in the comics. And that's usually a lot of, like you said, the winch costumes and, and a lot of uh, satire and political play. And obviously they're comical. So almost all sure. the themes carry like a, a funny routine or a funny skit to it. And then you then you step up the fancy costume, which I think is what you were talking about with your grandfather yes. in the Oregon Club. And fancy costume were just enormous and elaborate, beautiful costumes with yeah. plumes and and sequins. And then there was fancy brigades, which were dancing. They used to they used to actually have live music for the fancy brigades back in the day when I was really young, and they had live music playing. Which like is what I remember. Fishing. That's what I remember. Yeah. And then um, it's about. It's got to be 20 years ago that they started going to pre-recorded music, but they didn't go. I mean, the levels they're on now, they're like full-on Broadway show That's type kind of stuff. So much so that they had to move it inside. But And the string bands being the final part, they obviously are self-explanatory. It's an incredible collection of really bizarre instrumentation. There's no place else in the world <laughs> where you will see those instruments all being played together outside on New Year's Day. Yeah, I mean, there's there's xylophones and banjos and accordions. Yeah, I, and, I, it's the most bizarre collection. I'm, I'm a high school band director. There, there is no reason why a banjo <laughs> should be standing next to a glockenspiel <laughs> next to an upright bass that's been mounted on the guy. That has been mounted on him, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's absolutely incredible. But that sound, I mean, it, it creates a sound unlike anywhere else on earth. And it is that sound, my friend, that is infectious. Once, Once it's in your blood... Once you hear that, there is no turning back. You've, you've got the disease. Well, and that's, and I think, you know, I, I'm a huge tradition guy. You know, I try to get my girls to get really, and I, dude, I haven't even brought my girls down yet. You know, my girls are 16 and, and 14, 17 and 14. I haven't even brought them down yet because uh, I, I think it's selfish because I just have too much damn fun and I don't want any responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Safety I mean, first. Safety let's, first. Let's, let's, let's be real. I've got a 30 yeah. pack Michelob Ultra on my back. So it, it's, you know, it, it's not like, it's not like I'm the most responsible parent that day, but it, so for me, the whole, the whole tradition part of it is just massive. And I mean, this year, I mean, now, now are you, are your kids in? My kids have been in since they were born. My son Connor was born in October of 05 and that was the only parade he missed. So, because he was just a couple months old and it was a little too much to ask of his mother, who was from South Florida for me to take him out. In the icy freeze, it was a very cold year, 05, too. But that was also our first championship, so I guess it was a good oh, omen. Wow. But, yes, my kids are in, and that is one of the – I mean, I, I love all mummers and all mummers brigades and all the different divisions. I believe they all have their – you know, the different elements they bring to the table that make it such an incredible event. But I know of no other brigade on the street, especially in the comics, that are so kid-friendly as the Two Street Stompers. And it it's mostly because we had to be, I was, you know, like I said, we took it over in 93. I was in high school, but my older brothers were just getting married and having kids. And there was no way that they were going to do this thing and not take the kids in. So, and it just became a traditional thing for the kids to be involved so much so that we now have like sections of our skit dedicated to just the kids. Kid. And we're, well, we're really, I mean, I watch the entire parade every year we're really one of the only groups that is so family oriented and so close that, that it's safe for kids to be there with us. So if you're thinking about it, brother, we got kids costumes too. 
Yeah, I know. I know. Well, and, and I think one of the cool parts for that, that I've watched and I really noticed it more this year than I have in a lot of other years is the fact that you guys really do a tremendous amount of choreography. You guys put a lot together into it. Now, there, there are the sections, but most of the comics that end up, you know, I, I looked at one. I'm not going to mention the name. They were green every year. And uh, but there's like 900 of them. And, and yes. what they do is they start music and then they run up to the camera. And then 10 minutes later, they're gone. Like there is that, nothing to that, go into it. Those, those groups that you're referencing, and there, there's quite a few other comic brigades that do that too. But those, there was a, uh, again, let's go back like 10 years. There was a division of the comics that wanted to split off and have their own like little section, not their own parade or anything, but just a separate division. And they, they call themselves wench brigade. So they, right. In their all their bylaws, they have to have wench costumes, and they have to have a live band. They didn't want to compete against, like, say, us, who's using pre-recorded music and sure. walls of speakers. They wanted to have live music, so they created a separate division. So that's that's the groups that you're referring to, is the wench brigades. And you are absolutely correct. There's almost too many of them to do a routine, so that's what they're doing. And yeah. I have family in multiple different wench brigades, and that's. That's what their family went into. That's what they wanted to do. So that's cool. I mean, I'm cool with that. They all have clubhouses on two street that yeah. we stop by and visit all our family members and all. But you are correct in that our, our brigade puts a lot of detail, a lot of attention to detail into our routine and our presentation within the theme. So for you guys, when does, I mean, when does it start? When does it start for you guys? So it is, you know, it's January 2nd. You guys have yep. just finished this year's parade. What 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 is the what are the next couple of stages that happen for you guys? So we'll have the captains and the board members will meet probably around the end of this month, and we have our annual state of the brigade meeting, which obviously be very celebratory at this one because it was our 40th year and our fifth championship. But nonetheless, at that meeting, we go over all the things that worked and didn't work, right? And then we start to move forward and set the calendar. Usually in the mid spring. There is a theme submission uh, meeting where anybody in the club can submit a theme. And we try to ask for certain things like, you know, some ideas for costumes, some ideas for music, some ideas for if you had a comedy piece to it. uh, And then what would the theme actually be called? And so the whole club gets to submit themes. And then the captains will have another meeting and narrow it down to a few themes. And then we have a theme vote. And once the theme has been chosen, again, the, the whole membership, if you want to vote, all you got to do is show up. If you're a member in good standing, you can vote. And that's how we choose our themes each year. So most of the themes that we've seen weren't even submitted by captains. Huh. They were just submitted by a member. And then we, the captains take the theme, myself and my brothers and my cousins, we take them and kind of just, then we make it uh, a skit that'll fit into a minute and 50 seconds and we'll be entertaining and, and we'll still play some of the ideas that that person submitted, but doesn't, you know, kind of makes it more a mummer's theme or a mummer's routine. I'm usually pretty, uh, I don't want to say I'm a control freak, but I guess I'll just go with it. <laughs> I'm a total control freak when it comes to that kind of stuff, only because I've, I've been doing it so long and I was involved in musical theater and uh, at least at the high school level and in college myself. So I get the concept of staging and presentation and theatrical right. tricks and, and ideas and stage moving different props around and set pieces and facades and flats and all that. And none of these, you know, 
none of the guys that I'm working with really went through that. They all, thank God, they trust me yeah. with the keys to this. But they're, they also have incredible influence, too. Like, I'm open to listening to any ideas. They've all been involved in it just as long as I have, if not longer. So they, they see things I won't see. So we have a really incredible crew that puts together, takes a theme that's been submitted by a member and makes it what you saw on New Year's Day. From everything from the, the costumes, my cousin does all works with the dressmaker to get all the costumes made. And him and I go back and forth about this idea and these colors and how many people and should the girls be over there and the guys in this and all those intricate, but it really takes the whole year. So, all right, so back to your original question, sorry. No, dude, uh, go. I'm, I'm, our, I'm good. We'll choose the theme. And then we start the costume process. And like I said, my cousin Jimmy, who's our, our president, um, he's, he's the one who works directly hand-in-hand with the dressmaker, who is actually his uh, aunt through his marriage. It's his wife's aunt. So Lil, and she's incredible. She's been with us since, uh, since the mid-'90s. She's absolutely incredible. She's originally from South Philly, like second daily. And there was a time where her and her husband, Bob, made dresses for a bunch of different clubs. And we were able to kind of get hooked up with them. Really? And then now she only makes it for a few clubs. We're still one of them. But she puts incredible detail. Jimmy works with her big time to really get the deep, defined details of the costuming worked out. So then we work through the summers. Not much happens in summer other than Jimmy and I will get together and talk about swatches and different colors. And, and then we keep going around. So then in September, it really kicks into gear. Like I think our first general membership meeting where everybody has to really start getting a significant amount of money paid towards their dues is the weekend after labor day. And then the captains meet two or three times a month from that point forward. And then there's meetings in South Philadelphia that we have to go to for the two street strut, which is the part that you get to come be a part of every year. That's actually an organized parade now by a whole committee down in South Philadelphia. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, they, that's why there's now barriers and, and porta-potties and stuff. They've kind of worked with the city officials to kind of make it official. So um, so we'll start a lot of meetings, and then there's two, there's a meeting in October where people can come, and that's where we really start to tell the group what the routine is, what the theme is, what's, you know, what we're doing, how what costumes are going to be available. And then we have a huge membership meeting on the first Saturday of December, and that's where I teach the the – brigade the routine at least the rawest part of the routine the first time that's the first time they really get to go through it then we have a meeting two weeks after that again or people will know exactly what role they are in the brigade like this year we have 50s 60s and 70s at that first meeting no one really knew what they were right so i'm teaching the routine kind of raw really raw and this and year's routine and, one, and what was this year's routine this year's routine was called the uh, Philadelphia Time Machine. Two Street Stompers present the Philadelphia Time Machine. And it was, the, the skit in a nutshell was that Doc and Marty from Back to the Future arrive on New Year's Day in Philadelphia. And Marty opens up the, and there's this big warehouse that it looks like an abandoned warehouse. It says Philadelphia Storage and Keep Out and Danger. And Marty opens some big barn doors and there's a time machine in there. And he asks if it still works. And when he hits the time machine, it automatically, it automatically takes us back to Philadelphia in the 1950s. So out comes, uh, I think it was about 80 of our members in poodle skirts and letterman sweaters. 
all dancing to Chubby Checker singing the twist on an American bandstand stage, all of which Philly, Philly, Philly. Now, of course, our Chubby Checker was not Ernest Evans, who's from Philadelphia. It was uh, a, a, one of our members, uh, Jerry Murphy, who, uh, for lack of a better term, he's big. Right. Yeah, Very I saw big. him. Uh, yeah, I saw he's, him. He's, he's up there in the, he's above three, I would guess, above three bills on the, anyway, he was shirtless. <laughs> With a checkered pair of shorts on. So Dude, I saw him stand study. outside of Toll Man Joe's and I was like, holy shit. That guy's yeah, got Which is a real challenge this year because it was it was one of the coldest parades. It was by far one of the coldest parades I remember. They said it was the coldest in 40 years. Yeah. It was, you know, could have been the coldest in a hundred, but it, either way, it was really cold. So it was a real challenge for him. So that was the first part of our routine. Then Marty touched the machine again and it stops in 1960. And then all a bunch of hippies holding peace and love signs. And of course the love was love park. Right. They come out singing the song by the Orlans. Where do all the hippies meet South street? Right. So they, they came out singing that. And then they, the whole brigade is now frozen. Right. And Marty touches the machine again and it takes you to the seventies and Rocky came running out and he's running out with gloves on and the Italian stallion, uh, robe Ooh. on. Yeah. And then he, the, the song starts and it's the OJs who are part of the Philly soul sound. They come out and the whole brigade comes to life with all the people from the seventies that come out and the whole brigade did a dance together to the song love train by the OJs. Right. And then they freeze again. And Marty says, this place is incredible. I wonder what happens in the future. Marty was played by my nephew, Shane, who's been a long time actor since he was a very young young child he's a senior in high school now but a great 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 stage actor so it was he was an easy fit for this so anyway at the end he says i wonder what happens in philadelphia in the future and then out came our cheerleaders which were the eagles cheerleaders but it was all played by men again shirtless wearing sports bras uh and wigs and pom-poms and we sang the end of the eagles fight song and uh Rocky threw off his robe to reveal he was Carson Wentz underneath and he held up the Lombardi trophies, not necessarily saying they're going to win it this year. He just had to wonder what happens in the future. Exactly. That was, that was the end of our skit. Well, it was was, a future. It was awesome to watch, dude. I mean, it really was, I mean, across the board and, and then being able to walk with you guys was just beautiful. And it was, it was just a super cool day, man, as it always is, you know, but what, so, so how many, there's over 200 of you guys in there. In There's 226 costumed members this year. Okay. And where do you guys, where do you guys, where do you guys meet? Where do you guys practice? Where do you guys do all your stuff? Our clubhouse, if you will, because we don't have like a lot of the brigades and, and fancy brigades and string bands and even wench brigades have clubhouses on second street in the Pennsport section of South Philly. So uh, we don't, we've always been a Jersey based brigade to to give you like a little bit of the history where my mother was born and raised in South Philly. It no longer exists. And that happened to a lot of her, my mom's aunts and uncles, my grandparents, brothers and sisters. There was nine. My grandmother had nine brothers and sisters. That's like mine. Almost all of the homes that they lived in. Yeah, it's, it's, and they all had, um, they were all Irish Catholic. You know, they were the McMullins and they definitely had plenty of children go forth and (laughs) multiply. They did. 
But where they lived in South Philly at the time, now this is going way back to, uh, I would say the, the mid fifties where they were living is now where 95 is. Okay. So a lot of them took that queue and moved over to South Jersey to very, very close proximity to South Philly. I mean, I'm where I teach is right close to where I grew up and I can get to Philadelphia. I can get to the stadiums in two and a half minutes. And that's not an exaggeration. Just I'm the first, we're the first exit of the bridge. We're all on the river. So where we meet is in a little town called Brooklawn, New Jersey. Right. And uh, it's right on the river, little tiny town. That's where all of my family grew up. All my mom's, my mom's parents, my grandparents moved over. Like I said, I think it was in the late fifties when they came over and they had seven brothers. They had seven kids. My mom has seven brothers and sisters. And each one of them has no less than I think three or four. So the numbers just continued to multiply. And now that it has just continued to do that. And everyone lives within close, close proximity to Brooklyn. Some are in little towns east and west of there, but, right. um, but they're all still very close. So we meet behind my parents' house. And which is, you know, there's an alleyway back there. Now there's like the town's municipal garages are there, but we still have an incredible close relationship with them. Some of them have marched with us in the past. So they help us out as far as like giving us space to rehearse and, and giving us access to everything we need. It'd been great. But so that's still where we meet. That's also where my parents bought a house right around the corner from my grandparents' house. So the backs of their houses almost face each other. Right. Where we meet is between those two. Now, I got sort of go back a little bit. The cousin Jimmy, my cousin Jimmy Meehan, who uh, is our president right now, he bought my grandparents' house. So that house is still in the family. So we still meet between the two. So if I were to say we had, we have, we call it a clubhouse and an alehouse. The clubhouse would be my parents, which is a two car garage. Right. Jimmy's is the L house, which is a one car garage, but everybody just kind of congregates between the two. In between. Right. Yeah. And it's just a part of, I mean, it's just a part of the neighborhood. I mean, it's something that. Yeah, absolutely. All the neighbors know, just forget about it. We're not getting any sleep. They're going to be out there. Right. It's going to be loud, but, but it's, you know, there's kids involved and it's not a, not a frat party. Although at times I'm sure it sounds and looks like it. Yeah. Well, it does. I mean, but, but I mean, it's also what, what I don't, you know, it's not like people are just walking up the street. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of stuff that goes into it. You guys have trucks with, with yep. literally with just walls of speakers on them that pull up. And yeah. There's a whole process to it. That That's what I was saying. And that, you know, if you go, let's, so let's go back to 93, my uncle Buzz and my uncle Franny, who aren't really my uncles, they're my mom's cousins, but they were around so much. We call them uncle. Right. Those are the two who started the two street stompers in 78. So Buzz had, has two sons, uh, Drew and Teddy, both of which who are in the stompers. They, once they started to get like sort of high school age, again, early nineties, Buzz came to my brothers, Tom and Steven. Now at this time, the two street stompers in 92, 93 was, uh, we'd be lucky if we were pushing 35 people. Right. It was a very small group. The routines were very simple. The themes were very simple. My uncle Buzz would call us two weeks before and say, you know, we're doing clowns or we're doing, you know, Aces Wild or something. So it was very, I don't want to say it was disorganized, but the whole parade at that time was was very, very different than it is now. It was was also a 16, you know, it was like a 12, 14, 16 hour parade. Yes, it was very, came all the way from South Philadelphia, all the way up 
to City Hall and then all the way down Second Street from there, from Market down Second. I mean, people, that was, it didn't, like now the two street part starts at Second in Washington, right at the Mummers Museum. But back then you had to walk. You just walked it all the way down. You didn't, it was very chaotic, but beautiful too. You know, a very beautiful Philadelphia tradition. But so Uncle Buzz comes to my brothers, Tom and Steve, and my older brothers in 93 or 92 leading up to the 93 parade and says, I really, you know, I got to get more involved with my sons. I, 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 at least I think this is the way I understand it. I wasn't there for this conversation, but I'm paraphrasing. He said, I, I want to hand it down to you guys. You guys are getting pretty involved and I think you can do it. So for those next couple of years, my brother, Tom and Steven are the names. They were like the, the main guys, but all of us saw an incredible opportunity to get involved. All the cousins, all the brothers, and everybody just started to assume different roles in whatever was happening. Like in every year we would meet and say, what can we do better? What could we, you know, like how can we get two trucks? If we got one truck, we did, how much would we have to charge our members? How much would everybody have to put in if we were going to rent two trucks and how do we get more sodas or beers or, you know, and it was at that same time that a lot of the nieces and nephews and younger kids got involved. So there became new things that you needed. You, know, you can't have a, an 11 year old girl peeing in that corner over there. You needed an actual way for her to go to the bathroom. Right. So that's when we started to bring in Winnebago. I mean, there's an incredible uh, learning curve that started to happen at that time. And now we believe the captains and I believe we've got it pretty much figured out. We get the occasional little problems here and there, but most of it is pretty much wired. As you saw, we got two trucks, we get six buses that pick everybody up on New Year's morning behind my parents and behind Jimmy's, awesome, the, the clubhouse and the alehouse. And those buses bring them all over to Philly. Once they come over to, to Center City, uh, everything's already set up. My brothers and I and the other captains and board members go over early and set up the trucks and get every, all the speakers are all up. So when everybody gets there, everything's ready to rock. They right. just got to fall in and, and celebrate the new year. It's the greatest yeah. day of the year every single year. Dude, it absolutely is. And it's, it's, it's funny because I was, so it it was on broad street. So the parade actually started on January 1st, 1901. That was the first year that it was fully, they said, organized right at that point. So that's what it was. And then in 1995, it was moved to market street because of all the construction on broad years, which sucked. And that was the same crazy time, but it was, you know what I did? I did like the location of it on that other side of city hall though. I yeah, thought that it wasn't was bad. Cool. I mean, it was just poorly executed. They, I mean, there's some great stories about that time. Uh, I mean, in reference to the winch, because they just did not really prepare for it to be so condensed and to have everybody on top of each other. So it was, it was an interesting time. I, I remember those very, very vividly. Yeah. And uh, I remember being very different, just just really not something that was just awkward. It felt awkward. And they yeah. planned very poorly, and it led to some major issues. So we were very, very happy to go back to Broad Street. Even though they've since changed the direction we go, I don't really mind that change either. As long as it's on Broad Street, I don't mind going north or south. Yeah, I kind of like – I mean, I didn't mind it this year when they were coming, when they were coming back down. I didn't, I didn't think it was that yeah. bad. It actually – I mean, I actually caught a lot more of it because I, I stand in front of the Union League. You know, okay. so for me to go in front of the Union League is that that's like a great spot because it's central. You can pee at the Ritz Carlton. You can get banged up and go in with a 30 pack of beer on your back and go into Capitol Grill and have a steak at five o'clock. I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, 
That's those, also those are, one of the spots where they'll perform, where it's like a known exactly. performance spot. So both from from comic brigades like us, that's one of the spots we stop and do our routine, and all the string bands do the same thing. So it's a it's a uh, it's a great spot, man. That's that's an incredible resource there. So so let me so. Is it just a is it just the family tradition of doing it as a comic and not going in as as a as a string band? Or I, I mean, had a couple of years being a musician. I had a couple of years where I flirted with the idea of of going to a string band. And there was you know Durning had approached me. I knew some people in Durning string band, and they had approached me. And then there was a number of years later, I made really good friends with a couple of guys who were in. Uh, a string band that doesn't exist anymore, the two street string band, which is great. But they approached me as well about playing drums for them. And I just couldn't ever really wrap my head around turning my back on sure. being part of the two street stompers, especially once we, like I said, in 92, 93, when we took it over and it really became ours, th- there was no turning back from that point. So, I mean, yeah. I watch, I know a lot of those musicians right. and I watch them and I, I, I envy the experience, but I would never trade. I would never trade up. I, I don't think I could ever do it. Right. Unless the two street stompers cease to exist. Then I would certainly go over to another division or string band and try to go up at go at it that way. But yeah, the tradition of the stompers for me, there's no way you're leaving you your stomach the idea of leaving them. Now, what is the cost? I mean, I know I know Sugar House picked it up. So Sugar House is a casino yeah. in Philadelphia, and they they picked up the cost. Prior to that, it was uh, Southwest, I think. You yeah. Know. Southwest airlines did it for a couple of years and that was to make up the shortfall. Like the city estimated the cost. I think at like, let's say like $700,000. And yeah. the city said, we're not, we're not, you know, first thing we're doing, we're cutting all the prize money. And that was in the, the mid to late two thousands, maybe even earlier. They said they were cutting the prize money, which wasn't very much to begin with, especially considering the investment. Right. I mean, Fancy brigades spend and and string bands spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's insane. And if you won, if you got first place, I think you got like thirty thousand dollars or something. Wow. You know? So, so a, they said there's and three. That, that's a guess, maybe even less. They so they cut that out. They said we're not paying that, and you got to figure out how to make up the other three hundred thousand dollars or another wow. three hundred fifty thousand dollars. So that's when Southwest jumped in, and they did a couple of years, and then Sugar House took over. I think. I think. Southwest Airlines was involved for five, maybe the last parades, and then Sugar House took over. Thank God, and we really appreciate their their involvement. They're great. Well, is Sugar House they, they a take Philly, care of are they a Philly based company? I don't know if they're a Philly based company. I know they have. Uh, they got the the one. I think they have two in the Philadelphia area. One is definitely up in Fishtown. Yeah, they and then they have. Happened. I'm pretty sure they have another one. What they're calling New Kensington. Yeah. Nice. Um, that's, that's, you got to label it something. You got to put something. Yeah. You got to, you got to, you know, put a, put some lipstick on a pig is what they say. Um, uh, yeah. uh, but so th- what they're saying is that it, uh, was a million dollars each year, $750,000 for Paris, Paris, police and parade, $360,000 in prize money. So like, and, and that prize money just goes right back into the club. I mean, that prize money goes in yep. and it really doesn't, I mean, it doesn't help. But it probably helps yeah. a little bit. Yeah, it doesn't. It didn't hurt, but it, it didn't. It didn't. It was uh, minuscule in comparison to the investment that had been made. But nobody cared because it was a, it was a tradition thing. Nobody did it for the prize money, and which which has been proven since they've stopped doing the prize money. You still see just as many string bands, just as many fancy brigades, if not more, 
just as many brigades and clubs. So it's, it's nobody, as much as that was kind of a kick in the neck at the time, it really played no part. No group said, Oh, we're not doing it anymore. Right. I mean, as far as I know, I, I, I don't remember any that said, you know, on the fact that they weren't going to award prize money anymore, that they were out. So it didn't really affect, I mean, it was a bummer, but it didn't really affect one way or the other. Everybody still said, we're still going to do it. We'll find right. other ways to make up that money. So, so it's still, we're still running strong. Still running That's strong, awesome. Man. So now, and I mean, now on top of this, you're also married, you have kids, you have a job. Yep. I mean, you're, it's, That's it's a, it's a busy year. It is a crazy time. And if you were to, if we could, you know, ask my wife, this year was especially, uh, tough because it had gotten so cold between Christmas and New Year's, yeah, which is man. what we call hell week. Even yeah. though it's not hell, it, it's just a very, very, very busy, hectic time where every day you develop a punch list for the next day of props that need to be fixed or altered or changed or built and constructed or painted and all, all the different things that have, to, you know, stuff that's got to be picked up and generators and, and bathrooms and trucks and beer and soda and food and <laughs> caterers and all that, all that stuff happens during that week. And this year was especially painful because it was cold got to be every day yeah. between there. So, and we were outside for, you know, 12 hours a day, yeah. sunrise, sunset and more. We're outside building and breaking down and setting up and right. testing and trying. So, but yes, it is an incredible investment. So for the average member, let's say my friend, Chef Brian Duffy joins the two street stompers. Right. His investment could be absolutely minimal. We, ha we have very few members, but some who their specific situations don't allow them to be at anything other than New Year's Day. Some right. are in the military. Some are, you know, whatever their job is that they just cannot get free other than that. So they pay their money online or whatever, and then they show up on New Year's Day, put their dress on and they go. That would be the smallest portion of our membership. I'd right. say 70 to 80% of the membership shows up at all those meetings I had talked about, including theme vote and our wow. theme submission and theme vote. And then they show up at the other ones because it's really like a family reunion. Sure. It, it's, it's not just like some meetings. So a lot of the wives are in the parade or come to those meetings because their kids are in the parade or whatever. Right. So, um, the, the investment of time by the captains and board members is colossal, but that that is the same case for any string band or fancy brigade or wench club. It's the same. The there's a crew of people at top that really put in an immense amount of time, and a, a select crew of members that that thank God they show up to help out too. We're very fortunate that there's always many hands on deck. It's not just expected of the captains to handle it all a lot of our membership shows up but again because it's like a social event it's not just like i'm going to build you know it's right. not like somebody asks you to help them move which always sucks <laughs> fuck that you know sucks. it's like you're coming that. over to contribute to something you're <laughs> going to be a part of in a few days so right it is a large investment of time and energy certainly so how so have so what are your what are your thoughts for next year do you have anything in your brain yet uh, no, right now we're still, like I said, we got our state of the brigade meeting at the end of this month and everybody's like developing their list of things okay. they saw that went right and things they saw that need to be changed or altered in whatever sh way, shape or form. Right. Um, 
so that's kind of the focus right now. And then uh, my cousins and I will get together once the themes are submitted. Right now, it's kind of, well, we have a couple things we have to plan now. So we're, we're obviously going to have a 40th celebration party, which we had no idea was going to be a championship celebration party. Right. So that, that'll that have to get planned in the next few weeks here. And, and uh, the word on that's got to get out to the membership. And then, of course, we'll do all the planning with that. But as far as right now, you can it's a short period of time where you can sit back and just kind of look back. And fortunately, this year, we can say we did it. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah. this is the only time where it's a little downtime. Like I said to Sally, I said, enjoy my wife, Sally, who you know very well. I said, enjoy the next six weeks. Yeah. Because once that's over, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll be, you know, just enjoy every second of it. I know it was really hard. This year was, like I said, very hard, very hard. It was a involved theme and an involved routine this year. And I, again, being a control freak, refused to let my let any of it out of my hands, which I'm sure has to drive people crazy. And I apologize. But, you know, I, I don't know how to do it any other way. I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. You know? <laughs> but it's also, I mean, you, you're I mean, but that's a, the best part about it is it's family. You know, I mean, you guys yeah. had your, you know, I thought you guys, like I was talking to Sally that day. I'm like, why did you guys pick Tollman Joe's? And she's like, oh, it's their cousins. Yes. You know, that so it's part like, of the lineage that is that's still. So when I was saying about my grandparents moving the, the nine brothers and sisters, some of them stayed. And that's my cousins that are still there. So and they're in uh, Riverfront Mummers and some are in Satin Slipper and some are in oh, the wow. Jokers. And sure. I mean, it's very deep. Uh, O'Malley, and I mean, they're just, I have family in so many different brigades over there and clubs. You know, it is distant family, but we call each other cousins because I see them every year, multiple times per year. I see them sometimes more than my real blood cousins. So, yes, yeah. my cousin Terry is one of the managers of Tollman's. And the other reason we went to Tollman's was we used to go to the Fireside, which is at 6th in Oregon, but we just outgrew it. Yeah. It was a great place, and we they would give it to us for the day. And we would bring in caterers from over here, and it was a wonderful place, but we just got too big. We were just too big. It was We were actually afraid we were going to collapse the second floor of it. <laughs> the one year that we won, when we made the announcement, which, which I think you were – were you there when we found out we won this year? I was not. I got – I okay. Yeah, no, I got a little bit later. So when, when that announcement comes through, it, I mean, there's multiple Facebook videos out there of it. I, yeah, I saw a bunch of them. It's absolutely explosive. But you can imagine all those same humans. We're talking grown-ass men and women jumping up and down for joy because there aren't many opportunities as a grown-ass adult to win championships in anything. So it's a pretty sure. big deal. Yeah. So they start jumping up and down. I swore when, the last time we were at the oh, fireside, man. we were going through the floor. I was like, <laughs> this was not built to handle this, man. Right. Were, so that was – and plus, when my cousin opened up Tollman's, we said it's a no-brainer. We're going to go to Cousin Terry and Terry Owens and and talk to her staff there and see if we can do it there and shoot open with open arms to us. So it was perfect. And they did. I mean, they did a. I mean, they did a great. They've got that huge don't like that that covered. What is it's that? A barn. Yeah, it's like we a barn. barn. Under I don't know what it was at one time. I don't know what it would be for. I know they do a lot of outdoor events, like they bring in uh, micro brews and stuff and do a lot of outdoor events and tournaments, like. Uh, 
cornhole tournaments and stuff like that and big tailgates for Eagle Gate Eagles games, but I have no idea what they would use that for. And I thank God it's there, but I don't know what the heck they would use it for. Yeah, no, it was it was I mean it was awesome. I mean there's just stage up front. There's you know, you you can you can fit yep. two hundred and fifty people in there. It was pretty Absolutely awesome. Ideal for what we're looking for, yeah. So everybody's involved, which is just what I love. That's what I, that's like my whole part of it. I love, you know, especially as I get older and everybody in the family and, you know, to try to really get everybody involved and, and watch everybody go. And and I mean, you guys just bust your asses all day, all day. Great. You know, I don't know it any other way. That's the other thing. I don't, I don't really know it any other way. Right. Like Sally's asked me before, like, aren't you tired of running around? And when you hear something go wrong, you got to run up and take care of it. I, I just don't know it any other way. And it's become part of my mummer's experience. So for the average member, you know, it might look one way, but for me, that's part of it. And I love it. I love it. And I'm talking, we work until the work is never really done that all the captains and board members and a couple select members all have to show up the next day, the day after the mummers parade and break everything down because the truck's got to go back. The speaker's got to be returned. The generator's got to go back and everything's got to get cleaned up. And so you would it, it would absolutely blow your mind if we could time lapse what it breakdown. is. I think you should both, do that next year. Both the year. breakdown at the end of Two Street and then the breakdown the next day. It's still a tremendous. I, I mean, the cap, yeah, the captains and the the members who help out deserve a ton of praise. It's just incredible to see it all. My father said it. My father, who is not a mummer, he drives our truck, but all <laughs> of my mummer lineage comes through my mother's side. Right. Um, but he, he drives our truck and he's super supportive of us, but he's made this statement year in and year out. It is absolutely amazing to watch it come together, to have that many grown men who are all strong alpha type yeah. personalities, just not step on each other's toes. And it all comes together from the guys who do the construction to the guys who get our apparel to the, you know, to our bylaws committee, to right. the, you know, the, the guys who choose drive the trucks to go get the beer and to go get the speakers. And the, there's like multiple committees, mostly made up of the captains and board members and sure. select members. But it is an, it is really, really tremendous. Now I get a lot of the praise because I go out in front of the people and talk all the time, Sure, but it's not me. I mean, a lot of guys know my name and say I'm the, the guy, but it is not me. I'm not just being humble. It is an incredible fleet of human beings that make that happen. Great, great guys and great, great mummers. Well, it's a great, I mean, you know, this year I think was a little bit different for me because I was a little bit more low key in the afternoon than I was last year, but to watch everybody together, it's a real, it's a great group of people. It's a really nice group of people all. And again, all the way down to the kids, you know, watching Gavin go and watching Brielle be in there and watching Kira go through it. And, you know I mean? And, and Gavin being in the parade. I mean, that's something that, that is, you know, you're creating memories and experiences for that are going to last them for the rest of their lives. Yeah. You know, and, and, it, it's and, just and they also adopt it as a tradition for them, too. It's, it's something, you know, what, that's one of Gavin's told me it's one of his favorite Christmas gifts is that I buy him his dress every year. Yeah. You know, and that's the same thing with my two sons. I buy them their dress. That's one of their, you know, I don't usually have it in hand to put under the Christmas tree, but they know, <laughs> you know that, that, that is what's going down. That's how it's going to work out. But it's the same um, that that's part of what makes our brigade so special. And I don't want to say better than other brigades, but definitely different and special is that there's such tradition through 
different generations of family that we don't, we don't even end up with any of the issues that I've heard other clubs have. Right. Like we don't, we very rarely have any disagreements, even though the amount of drinking is colossal. <laughs> There's, you know, just a general joy and a general like policing of guy saying, no, man, we're not doing that. Yeah. You know, like there's no, there's very few confrontations. I mean, I don't even really remember any in my entire, at least of our membership. I've seen confrontations on two streets, certainly at night, but it wasn't members of, of our group. It was like, you know, two guys walking down, you know, know each other from a long way, you know, back that don't get along. So anyway, they, we, that's what makes our brigade so special. And that's what we've gotten members from other uh, Wentz brigades and brigades that have joined our club because we're so family friendly. Right. You don't have to worry about any of that ding dong behavior because well, there's just so many, you know, the wives are there. The, the grandparents are there. The, right. you know, there's, Who's going to act up? My grandma's right there. So rip your ear off. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> my mom will be there to, you know, nobody's crossing my mom young, you know? Right. So it's a, there's an, there's an incredible amount of pride that helps police and, and keep us from having to deal with things that, that I, I, I know other brigades have to deal with. Now, what do you guys do? I mean, what, 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 so you, so the dresses and everything, what happens to those after the parade? Everybody, we encourage all of our members to hold on to them because we do two other parades uh, throughout the, the year. We do the Gloucester City St. Patrick's Day Parade, uh, and we'll all wear the dresses from that year. We might not do the routine. It might not be as specific. Right. We just kind of strut along. Yeah. At least that's the way it's been in the past. And then we also do the uh, Mount Laurel Fourth of July Parade. Oh, okay. So, and we've been doing those for years too. Now we'll end up with, let's say we had, you know, over 220 marching members, costume members this year. We'll probably have about a hundred of them at the St. Patrick's Day parade. And then maybe about 50 to 70 of them at the 4th of July parade. So the numbers right. fall off pretty heavy. Not that they're not invited. We open it up to the whole clubs, but I know a lot of people do things on 4th of July and the St. Patrick's Day parades is always on a Sunday. I'm not sure everybody's available on that one, but sure. Those so people will save their costumes to wear for those two other parades. But some people, you know, I know members who have saved every single dress they've ever had. They have wow. closets full of them. And I have uh, a, a hodgepodge of years. I, I don't save every single one. I, I did for a while, and then it just got to a point where I was like, what what am I ever gonna do? <laughs> what am I gonna do? There's already a yeah, you know. Yeah. So I decided to just save my badge. You know, we all get badges. Just right. save the badges. But I since have stunk at that too. So I have like, you know, sporadic years. And I just decided I'm going to save it in my mind. Sure. Instead of having a hard, you know, product to show that I was there. Which is, just uh, is more shit to move when you move. Correct. Correct. <laughs> so I've been streamlining now, as I've moved, you know, 30 times in my life. And every time I shake the tree a little bit. Go ahead. I uh, know. Uh, I'm the same way. Um, I, uh, so, I mean, is there ever a point where some of the smaller clubs will say, Hey, can we buy your uniforms? I mean, is there any of that that ever happens? Because I mean, there's some, some comic, you know, brigades that are out there that don't have as many guys as you do, or aren't as, as big and organized as you guys are and don't have the money. Yeah. The, uh, most of the, I've never heard of that myself. I have heard of clubs and our, you know, we we're included in this in those early years. 
we couldn't afford to buy new dresses every year. So we would just change the theme around and kind of switch the dress around a little bit, change the trim or, and take the same dresses out, but change the routine and the trim of the dress. But most of the clubs are, are able to, you know, we have donated some of our dresses, not so much to another comic brigade, but to, I don't know if people even know this happens, but at what you see on TV, when the comics come through, those are what they call, that's called the A stand. And there's, those are for brigades that are 35 or 40 or more people. Everyone else kind of gets anything smaller than that. They kind of get not pushed over, but they get, they go off to the right. Yeah. And they go up 16th street and they perform at the B and C stand. Okay. And the B and C stands and at the B and C stands, you could have individuals where it's like, you know, I don't know. Humpy Dumpty. It's just one guy and right. he does who's a the, routine. Who's the who's the okay. disc jock, the DJ from uh, uh Sneaker Sneaker Pete? No, uh, Jackie uh, Bam Bam. Yes. He yes. does his own. He's he's a, he's one of the smaller fancies that gets yes. into it. And they it, perform right? they perform at BNC stands. So they go up and they they're also underneath of a mother club. So let's let's rewind back. So in the comics Everyone who's in the comics, every one of those brigades or individuals or, or couples or, you know, fancy trio or all those different things are all, they all have to be affiliated with one of the three oh, wow. mother clubs. I didn't know that. The mother clubs okay. are Landy, Landy, Murray, and the Good Timers. Okay. Uh, we're in the Good Timers. Uh, and Landy is the smallest of the mother clubs. Murray is by far the largest, and, and they've right. had an incredible run of championships because they're so large and they just have an incredible number of good, I'm sorry, BNC stand performers. The good timers have a, a a good crew of a stand brigades that'll perform, but they just can't ever outweigh the points that Murray is scoring in uh, the BNC stands. But that's kind of how it, how it breaks out. And, and every year they change positions as to which one goes first this year, the good timers were first. That's why we were on so early. Right. And all the good timers brigades perform and all the good timers B and C stands guys go off and perform at the B and C stand. All, all gaining points, any points they score for themselves also goes towards their mother clubs total. And the mother clubs are trying to win titles too. But Murray's had that locked up for a long time because he just floods, absolutely floods the B and C stands. They have good brigades too, but they just completely make up all their points at the B and C stands. So we've stopped even, caring about the the mother club title not that we don't care about the good timers but sure we're doing all we can do you know right you're doing your thing that's but cool. back to your question a lot of the a lot of the bigger brigades will give unused or lightly used costumes to b and c stand performers for the next year so they'll so like say you had 50s dresses from our brigade this year and we handed them to a couple individuals they would do like a little grease theme or something you know Sure. So, so that just, does yeah. happen. That does happen. Now, do you guys have to, I mean, is there, do you guys pay anybody in regards to the city or a mummers commission or any of that stuff? I mean, basically here's my question. Is anybody making money off of this? Uh, no, I believe, you know, the advertiser sugar house, I think probably does pretty sure. well because the mummers are an incredibly loyal group. Yeah. And if you show us even slightly that you got our back, <laughs> they come in in droves and there are thousands and thousands and thousands of them, not just right. the ones you see performing but behind the scenes. I mean, every single string band has probably double the amount of marshals that they do performing members. 
So the numbers wow. are just through the roof. And every one of those guys or girls is as loyal as the next. So sure. when Sugar House said, we're going to back you, well, if we're going gambling, we're going to the Sugar House. Absolutely. So I don't, to answer your question, I'm sure the hotels do pretty well, and I hope they do. The restaurants along Broad Street, I, I hope, do very well. But there is not really any money being made. But that's also kept it very honest and traditional. Like there isn't sure. even a window for corruption. You know, right, right. Well, I know. What did I pay? I think last year I ended up paying like four hundred bucks for the a night. Yeah, for my hotel. Yeah, uh, I used points. I'll let you know that right off the bat. I used points. But uh, cool. Absolutely, man. Look, when you travel as much as I do, I got to have some benefit of it, other than you know <laughs> drinking in another damn dive bar every year. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I'm actually booking my room tonight for next year because it's just easier. Even though I live yep. seven miles outside of the city, it's a place to go get warm. It's a place to pee. If you have to, it's a place to do the stuff. I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'll March next year. I don't know. We'll figure that part out. I, I think we'll you should there. think about it. Bring your daughters in. And this is the other thing, man, like guys will bring their kids in and be afraid to think they have to watch them all day. And you know, I'm not saying you don't have to watch them. But our specific brigade, because there's so many wives who are involved and moms right. and grandmoms and aunts who are involved and are there every year wearing two street stompers gear and strutting along behind us. They are like the it's this incredible team, but they all kind of watch each other's kids and make sure everybody's on the right road and staying together and staying with the group. It's, it's really, really a fascinating thing and a safe environment to introduce both you and your kids to this. So I'm just throwing it out there, man. I know. I know. Well, I mean, I, you maybe, know, maybe you want to come do it yourself a year and then maybe bring them out, whatever. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Maybe you, you want to keep it yours. I get that too. No. Cause you know what? I mean, my father brought us, I mean, my mother. Yeah. Wow, dude, what is going on here? Hey, just so you know, double trees, like 168 bucks right now. If you book it for new year's Eve and new year's day, see that. That's not too shabby. Anyway, okay. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll discuss that. We'll have that conversation. We'll have it more. We got to sit down and have some beers. This, uh, this, I, this year. I do thoroughly enjoy libations and your company. So I would like to yeah. have the two of them together as soon as possible, my friend. I love it. All right, so Kev, how do we follow either you or the Two Street Stompers or any of that stuff to get information? And and because this is, I mean, there's people that listen to the show all over the world. So yeah, how do we how do we follow so the, you guys? The, the Two Street Stompers are on Facebook. That has kind of changed hands. One of our members decided to not decided to. We asked him to take it over and kind of run it a little better than any one of us trying to do it. So it's becoming more uh, involved. We also have Instagram, but I don't know the handle. But the yeah. two street stompers are out there on Facebook and Instagram. We had a website, but I think we let it lapse because we just weren't <laughs> keeping up on it. And we right. weren't sure if people really used websites much anymore. But uh, yeah. our Facebook and Instagram is the easiest way to either communicate with us or to follow us and see what's going on. Okay. All right. So we'll get everything there. And when I post the show, I'll put all that stuff through there as well. So, um, Hey brother, thank you so much, man, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And happy new year to all of you out there. <laughs> all right, Kev. Thanks brother. Take care. I'll talk to you later, man. See you, bro. There it is. Like that's the game right there, man. 
that's the whole idea of this. The whole one of the biggest parts about the parade that I just enjoy so much is the fact that it's it's a day where the whole city kind of gets together. You know, you see all walks of life walking the streets. I mean, there's you know, there's families walking down the street with strollers and dad's got a beer in his hand, you know, and there's moms and there's there's, you know, groups of of 10, you know, uh, little white girls with Starbucks and Uggs on walking down the street at the same time as a bunch of thugs that are throwing back, you know, little little bottles of brandy in their bag and smoking weed and doing that stuff. It's just a huge, diverse group of people that all end up at the same exact location. And, and in reality, it starts off as, you know, it's going to be a big party day. But as soon as that string band comes up or as soon as that comic division walks down and for me to be in front of the Union League and watch that and hear the announcements come through, that's the really cool part for me. That's the stuff that I really enjoy. And to watch everybody just kind of stop and turn around and the cops are out there and, you know, and, and everybody's just kind of just bullshit. I mean, this year we had like 15 mounted police that were actually off of their horses and bikes and whatnot standing right in front of us. Cause there was no, ba- no barricade. Um, and you know, and they're smoking stogies, man. They're all just sitting there with big fat cigars in their hand. Um, it's uh, it's just a great day. And, and, and for to be in such a weird world of, of everybody kind of, you know, being upset about a president or that somebody did this or somebody did that. It's just a really kind of cool day. And then to be able to take that day after for the for the for the 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 brigades themselves and the members of all these New Year's brigades and these groups to come together and then go back down and be able to do that walk up two street and and have that end result of, you know, I mean, it's just a it's a really cool, casual day. The really the fun part for me, though, is to watch the transition from the parade where they get up and they have a boatload of fun, but it's a choreographed, very strategic moves that they're putting together. And look, these aren't like, these aren't like ballerinas. You know, these are dudes that are wearing golden slippers. They're wearing sneakers that are spray painted in glitter and gold and, and, and in full costume and with gloves on and thermal underwear. Cause it's fucking five degrees outside. And then they kind of let their hair down a little bit to, per se to walk down and get over onto two street and walk up the street with a beer in their hand and, and be able to, to do the strut, which is just crazy. If you Google it, Google mummer strut, but you know, for me, new years of this year and the goals that I have moving forward are really a lot more about being present, a lot more about being involved with my family and my friends and community because I travel so much and I miss that stuff when I'm on the road. And, you know, I mean, right now I'm in, I'm in, I'm in Orlando, Florida, it's 72 degrees outside and I'm in a room, uh, that, that is, you know, with air conditioning on while it's four degrees back home. Um, trust me, I would much rather be back home, but uh, for me, uh, New Year's Day is kind of the quintessential Philadelphia tradition that I just absolutely love. So uh, for anybody who has an opportunity, definitely hop over there, get up. I just I'm not even shitting you, man. I just booked my rooms. I just booked my two rooms uh, for New Year's Day right here. It's done. Ready? One, two, three. Select. Done. I just booked it. So get out there and book yours. Uh, go and have a boatload of fun. Um, New Year's this year is a big one for me. Uh, there's a lot of changes that are going to be happening and a lot of really fun things that I'm stoked um, about getting involved in and doing. So um, for all of you, go out and have some fun, man. You know, go and find something cool. Get involved in some community and and, and be able to play around a little bit. Um, 
This uh, this is uh, the the second episode for this year, I believe, and we're pretty stoked about it. Uh, Chef V last week. I'll tell you guys everything after I get back after my cleanse from there. A uh, couple things that I have going on for anybody who's interested. I'm in Orlando uh, this week, but by the time this airs, I'll be gone, baby. I should have a tan and I should be out of here. I'm at the uh, the the uh, North American Home Builder and the Kitchen and Bath Industry Show down in Orlando, doing some stuff with my buddy Nikki Liberato. He and I are working for GE, General Electric. He's doing some monogram. I get to do the cafe line uh, with my buddy Martin Yan as well. So uh, we're down here. Next week, I'll be in North Carolina. I'll be down at the Quiet Pint in uh, Winston-Salem. So Google that. I'll be there Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, I'll be in L.A. Um, So I'll be out in L.A. for a couple of days shooting bar crashers. Everybody do me a favor. I I know – that I throw out a tremendous amount of information every show. And I know it's the end and probably not everybody's still listening, but do me a favor, head over to the Bar Crashers YouTube page and subscribe. Go to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and subscribe. It's really simple. You guys will get some good information. We have a huge prog program that is coming out uh, after March that we're going to be introducing that I want everybody in the industry, food and beverage, uh, to really start to pay attention to. Watch some of the hashtags that we're putting out there on our stuff. Go and follow myself and Michael Tips. This is a series that is about the positive aspects of restaurants. It's about the things that people are doing right. It's about the really super cool industry that we're in of hospitality and relationships and community and business. Uh, that is just a lot of fun to put together. So go over and check that out. Uh, tell all your friends about Delphified Live. Get them on here as well. We have some new sponsors that are coming in this year that I'm going to announce in the next two weeks. Um, uh, the end of the month, I will be at the uh, Mohegan Sun Wine uh, Festival. So head up to the Mohegan Sun Wine Festival. I'm not even shitting you on being dead serious with you. It is quite possibly one of the greatest chef events that I am involved in, that I'm included in. Um, It is just super cool to watch this whole process happen. They invite us up there for the guests who come in. It's a beautiful, beautiful event with a dine around on Saturday night. And you've got a whole wine festival on Friday and classes and seminars. It's so awesome to be up there. And Mohegan Sun just blows it out of the park. They do such a nice job. So um, then after that, I'm back out a couple of days. I get to go do some fun stuff. So Everybody do me a favor. Go out there and thank everybody. Go and follow the Two Street Stompers. Do a little bit of research on the Mummers. I'll see you guys in Philly next year. Thank you all so much for just an amazing 2017. 2018 is going to be massive, and I'm super stoked. My name is Chef Brian Duffy. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at the same one of Chef Brian Duff. Then you can go to Facebook at Chef Brian Duffy. Thank you guys so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. I'm Jerry P. Tuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. 
We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist, so thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>